developmental optometrist, award-winning author, and international speaker, Dr. Lynn Hellerstein holds powerful and inspiring conversations with her guests on Vision Beyond Sight in areas of healthcare, wellness, education, sports, and psychology. They share their inspirational stories of healing and life transformation through their vision expansion. Billions of people have vision problems, and vision is more than 2020. Vision Beyond Sight will help you see with clarity and gain courage and confidence. Your vision does not define you, you define your vision. With Dr. Lin's new way to look at your life through a new lens, you will be ready to meet yourself and receive visualizations for miracles to come. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Lynn, and welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Today, visiting with us is my friend, Angela Cody Rouget, a.k.a. Major Mom. Major Mom is truly an amazing person that I met years ago in a, in a camp, and uh, you'll quickly see her power, her success, and influencing abilities. Today, we're going to talk about home organizing the major mom method. Her method is picture it, plan it, proceed with steps. And that methodology sounds pretty familiar to what my work for years has been, my visionary work of see it, say it, do it. So I'm really excited to get into that method and, and, and really see the alignment with what I've been doing for years. But first, let's learn a little bit about Major Mom, a very impressive and adventurous life. Angela is the founder and owner of Major Organizers, a residential organizing company. She's been building the Major Organizers brand, formerly Major Mom, since November of 2006. And she currently has teams of liberators in four states. She was featured on the military episode of Shark Tank on February 5th, 2016. Angela spent 14 years dedicated to serving her country in the U.S. Air Force as a satellite commander and missileer. She attained the rank of major and her husband nicknamed her Major Mom after the first child was born. After her son was born in 2005, she resigned the commission to be a better wife and mother to her two children. She has a background of uh, speech communication and an MBA from University of Colorado. The major achieved and maintained this designation of certified professional organizer for over six years. She's a member of a number of organization, um, national organizations, as well as the president of the board of directors for the Certified Professional Organizer and National Association of Professional Organizers. And then, of course, she volunteers her time like she, you know, because she's organized, she has time to volunteer, which is great, to her veteran community and church. Like most women, she feels torn between the kids and career and the balancing act and the challenges that brings. But she's thankful for her supportive husband and her kids because they all believe in her. But she was born to create order out of chaos, which I just love that. And she's on a mission to raise up an army of liberators so she can restore order to the world, one household at a time. What a great line, Angela. Welcome to Vision Beyond Sight. Thank you so much, Dr. Lynn. I, I just was smiling listening to that whole thing. Well, this was a... A shortened version of the information I have about you, and I encourage all our listeners to go on uh, the podcast notes and they can learn more about you. But you've made a career of yourself, you know, based on your formal training in the military service, and uh, it's invaluable because I know I walk into my own kid's house and you know, I just look around. In fact, I remember when they both moved out, they're older and they have their own kids now. When they both moved out, and then they come to visit. They go, Mom, your house looks so clean now. And it's like it was always clean until you messed it up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about, you know, what are some of the impacts of disorder? Oh, my goodness. Well, what you what your kids are seeing is true. When our when our nest is empty, it's so much easier to keep it clean, isn't it? But oh, my. 
when we're in a season of life when our nest is full of kids and pets and, you know, visitors and all kinds of things, um, disorganization um, and chaos impact everybody in the house. Visitors, the kids, the pets, you know, and, and, and sometimes more, more than anyone else. The mama bear that you know that's trying to keep keep things going, but the the, the impact of disorder is is probably wide and varied. It it impacts us in four big ways. It impacts our our money, our time, our health, our safety. And people are like, oh come on. And I say, no, really. One big way that disorder impacts our money is duplicate purchases. I would say that in 17 years of organizing, I have seen an incredible variety of what duplicate purchases look like. It could be 27 rolls of scotch tape to you know, 17 <laughs> open cinnamons in the cabinet to, um, believe it or not, maybe having two or three printers and um, none of them actually working or seem not to be working because they're not plugged in. Uh, so I'm not just talking about buying new things because they're, they, you know, one doesn't work. It's, oh, I forgot I had a printer. Um, oh, I forgot I had that. And that's how chaotic some lives can be is, is wasting all that money buying things you already own, but you can't find them. And think about the time, the time you spend looking for stuff. I'm going to tell you that um, the average American spends 55 minutes a day looking for things that they know they own but they cannot find. And so that's a lot of time. And that's the average American, Dr. Lynn. What about the um, above average? <laughs> I know some of those people. <laughs> yeah. um, those are the people that show up to the meetings late um, without the report, show up without the, you know, soccer gear. But, you know, they're, they're, they're the folks looking for stuff all the time. It's an incredibly stressful way to um, proceed through each and every day of life. And so that's why I say a major impact of disorder is also on your mental health, your physical health, and your spiritual health. And and you don't have to live in a hoarder's house to have these impacts hit you pretty hard. But the last one is safety. Truly, accidents have gone up in the home probably 750% because of all the tripping hazards in homes. Um you know, we've got cords and laptops and all kinds of things plugged in that we didn't have in a different era. And so um, all those cords start creating tripping hazards. And so having stuff piled on the stairs to go up or to go down. So those are some pretty major impacts. So those, that's kind of the doom and gloom of, of disorder. <laughs> My, I listened to you, all four of them. And I see myself in all of that, <laughs> you know, the money. And when you said hole punchers, oh, I just found my third hole puncher. I forgot, you know, <laughs> it just brought all those memories up. But I'd like to just address the safety issue in that, um, you know, we're concerned, especially in the vision world about safety, too, because uh, there's a lot of data that shows as adults get older, uh, and they don't see as well, and their balance is not as good, that falls are a real risk. And all it takes is leaving a little toy or a cord um, out. And you're talking not just falling, but it could be major breaks all the way to life and death. So, um, And in this day, there are cords everywhere. And, I, you know, I was just at an event where there – it was outside and there were cords and the cords weren't taped down and there was no, you know, protection over them. And I just thought, man, this is an accident waiting to happen. Oh, yes. That's how some households are. Honestly, cords going across rooms. A lot of, um, since the pandemic, um, a lot of people, you know, made makeshift offices at home and, and that created more cords. Um, where people were, you know, needed to have the internet plugged in. And yes, and sometimes in the home, it, it, it probably is a good idea to tape them down, especially if there are uh, vision issues in the house or um, just aging. Yes, and that's why we know as adults get older, they want to stay in their place. They have everything arranged. 
and they're okay until somebody comes in and moves something or drops something. And then again, there's your risk. And so, you know, the order is so important and, and, uh, really for all four reasons, that's, that's very, that's very impactful, much more than just this room is messy. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I think that, um, it's important to really acknowledge, you know, those impacts. Yes. So let's talk about what are some of the major roadblocks? I mean, why are people so disorganized? I call them messy. I like disorganized better. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is, there is definitely a difference between messy and disorganized. You know, I, I would say that sometimes if you, um, you know, came over and looked at my kitchen, you might like, oh, it's kind of, your kitchen's kind of messy right now. You know, meaning I haven't, I haven't wiped every counter and put all the dishes in the sink, you know, and, and, and done that. That's kind of messy. Um, but my kitchen is very organized. So when I do clean up, um, it is, there is a place for everything and everything in its place. But there, the major roadblocks to getting organized are very easy to understand. And I'll, I won't go over all of them, um, but I will list them right now just so the listeners can can identify with why are they having such a hard time staying organized. Here's some of the roadblocks, and then we'll talk about the ones that are most interesting to you. First, paralyzed by perfection. Second, procrastination due to lack of skill set or knowledge. Third, your system or space is set up incorrectly, meaning there's no homes for your things. They're just it doesn't make sense where you're putting the items, and so they keep changing. Fourth, this is weird, but some people just don't have that organizing gene. Their creative geniuses lie elsewhere, and so they're going to struggle without help. Um, fifth, they're overcommitted at work, school, church, home, so they are not leaving any time, you know, to get organized, and it's kind of like you want to lose weight, but you don't want to work out. Um, you need time to make these things happen or hire people to help you do that. Life transitions are the next one, and these life transitions are as wide and varied as you and I can visualize. You know, aging parents needing our help, aging parents moving in with us, becoming an empty nester, divorce, um, illness, relocation, having another baby, another pet. These life transitions can derail the most organized person. And then you have the last two, which are really big ones. These are the ones you see on TV all the time. Emotional ties to your stuff. And these emotional ties can be um, very little things like cards to very obscure, um, hard to relate to things. Where husbands and wives can fight about a lot, about these emotional ties to your stuff. And the last roadblock really are family and friends. And what I mean by that is that family and friends can be so judgmental about how we live, and they and, and they can come to our house and give us two big messages. One, they might look around and say, Mama would just roll over in her grave if she saw how you lived, you know, so that judgment that, you know, you're not living right. Or you have the other family member that, that, that looks around and says, well, where's that uh, dresser that you got when Grandpa died? You know, wh- what did you do with it? Well, we, we donated it. What do you mean you donated it? Why do you keep getting rid of everything that people give you? You, you never know when you're going to need this, that, and the other. So family and friends have given us messages from birth on how much stuff we should keep and why we should keep it. So those are a lot of roadblocks, don't you think? Those are huge, major life roadblocks. And boy, we could spend a podcast on each one of those roadblocks. Um, but let's unpack that. Let's, you know, since the, we just finished with a family and friends judgment, I think that's so big. Um, I know as, you know, I've aged and my parents are no longer with us, my grandparents, that there's a lot of stuff and, that they've had. And many of my my kids and other friends, they don't want my parents and grandparents things that, you know, they held on to so dearly, thinking it was so important and it was important in their lives. But I now have um, friends who have three three families worth of dishes, for example, in their house 
not knowing what to do with them. And and they're blocked. The judgment of you can't get rid of it. Mom would have been mad. And and it's it's creating a, a real space problem. Um, what what do you do about that? Yes, this is this is where a lot of times the major law method comes in, where we talk we talk about what is your vision for your home, you know. And so the the first thing we try to get clear with anyone that we're helping is. Is your vision for your home to be the storage area for all generations of, you know, each passing generation? Are you to be the storage area? Okay. So if you're to be the storage area, then what? Where, where is the stuff going? You, you don't want to use the dishes. You know, you, you have them. You want someone else to want them. And so honestly, that's why, um, your method of, you know, see it matches so well with mine. Picture it because in the major on method, we say you really need to get clear on what you want your home to look like. And if your vision doesn't include storing items, then, you know, we need to go do the hard work of, of planning a better place for these items to go. And usually it means being extremely charitable and letting go and gift, gifting them or selling them for a small amount, gifting it to a family who just lost everything in a fire or to a um, a single mom who's, you know, just got out of a domestic abuse and she's starting over. There's millions of families starting over in the United States every year, and they are in desperate need of something to eat on, something to use. And so that's the answer to that question is we start with the vision work. What do you want? What do you want in this home? And getting real about it helps them start to become more aware of the plan to get these things moving along. Well, that's great. And this goes far beyond of let's just buy a storage bin and put things away. I mean, this understanding the process of what got you here is uh, really leading you to the solution. And after our break, I really want you to spend more time in, in the steps to creating a, a clutter-free home. Um, but there's a couple other roadblocks I, w- I wanted you to – your comments on. We see a lot of really bright, gifted, creative kids in my practice – and they often are the creators and artistic and ideas that nobody else comes up with. And that's their real gift. But their complaints from the family and from school are often they're so poorly organized. And they don't, you know, they do their homework and it's somewhere in their backpack. So they get bad grades because they don't turn it in. Um, tell me a little about your work with that kind of a personality. Well, we definitely work with a lot of families and and children, and and there's there's children that do that, and that follows them through adulthood, as you know. Um, when there when there aren't specific strategies put in place to get that individual to follow through or to remember, and so sometimes I would say that even though we don't diagnose our clients. Sometimes they'll they'll say, "I'm I'm a starter. I'm not a finisher," and we we hear that so much. I have a great idea. I can't finish it. I mean, that is you've just hit the nail on the head when it comes to why people are frustrated with themselves. You know, I I know what I want. I can see it, but I'm not making it happen. And so it's like, oh, that's interesting because you're getting stuck. Your, your homework gets stuck in your backpack or, you know, the ideas get halfway implemented, you're getting stuck. And so um, I would say part of that, one of those is part of the couple of the roadblocks. So um, a lot of our clients get stuck because they're perfectionists. A lot of kids are perfectionists to um, the ultimate fault where they're getting things they're getting things almost done, but it's not perfect enough. It's not good enough. They don't want to turn it in. So it becomes, you know, this this terrible cycle. I'm not sure if that's kind of, you know, some things that you're determining. But when we see certain children's room or, or people's homes, we can see they're paralyzed by perfection. And what, what I mean when I say that is once we figure out that's the roadblock, because a lot of times we have to figure out the roadblock. We have to figure that out before we can start organizing. But 
being paralyzed by perfection means that this child or this client has created a vision for how they want to write this paper or, you know, how they want to do this project or how they want to organize this office. And the picture and the vision is so unattainable that, you know, because of the time, money, and effort and energy required to do it. They just don't have the time, money, energy, and effort, but they've locked on to a vision. This vision could have come from a magazine, could have come from very, a lot of unrealistic sources like Pinterest. And so even kids lock on to unrealistic visions for things. And if they can't accomplish it, they, they don't turn in, they don't want to, they don't finish it. Does that make sense? Are you kind of following me on that one? Does it make sense? You just described at least 25 or 30% of my patient load in vision <laughs> therapy. Um, we, we get referrals. In fact, Dr. Linda Silverman's been uh, on this podcast. And that's, it's so interesting we we do all this work to evaluate this patient. You can look at the room and we're coming up with similar conclusions. And often you had said, you know, with the perfectionist, it's time, money, energy. But I think it even goes beyond that is the fear of being wrong. And mm-hmm. so many of these kids won't do their artwork and they're great because they can't make it exactly like their picture or what they're looking. So they won't even start. So it's either all or nothing. They get either, you know, top A's or they fail. There's nothing in between because when they finally do it, it's unbelievably great. But getting them to take the first step is either fearful or it could be time, money, energy, like you said. And so um, many of these kids also show because they process differently. They're not, I call them like... Um, an outline mind. If you had to do a paper and they teach you how to do an outline, number one, A, B, two, A, B, C. They don't think in an order like that. They're like the whiteboard brainstorm kind of a person where, ha- and that's what their room looks like. You know, they have a thought, they have a thought. Oh, wait, there's another thought. Nope, there's another thought. And trying to get them into an organized paper is very difficult because they're trying to teach them to do it through an outline and that's just not the way they think. And so we talk about how to change their vision through like a whiteboard or, or a, a brain map of um, getting all of their thoughts out and then moving all those thoughts into the right, you know, bucket so that you have some organization to your thoughts. So what you've just talked about is um, a major road block is truly we we measure that in many of our uh, visual evaluations and that uh, affects their school life work you know how many people at work are so disorganized and not finishing their work on time and just a number of things so you hit on a big one there angela yeah and another thing we see with children and clients as the other roadblock is procrastination due to lack of skill set or knowledge this means um, I'll give a real basic one just so it's very easy for the listeners to know what on earth I mean. Um, most people are not lazy in general, but they do procrastinate. And the number one reason for procrastination is because they don't actually know how to do it. So in other words, it's the DIY culture. Um, you know, I'm starting, I have my own business. I'm starting a business. I'm going to do my books too, even though I've never been a bookkeeper. I've never worked with QuickBooks. But I'm going to teach myself how to do my own books to save money or some some reason that I sh- I have a I have an MBA so I should be able to keep my own books and you know, I'm smart. But the thing is is that uh, many clients over 17 years we see unwrapped versions of QuickBooks sitting in their office, never been installed on the computer. Of course, now they just download it. But um, but those were evidence of you procrastinating organizing your numbers and your financials because you actually don't know how to do it. It would save you time money, energy, effort, stress, and your mental health if you would just hire a bookkeeper to at least get you going and teach you. Um, people who want their room perfectly done, even children get like this. They want it to be painted first before they organize it. So, But they don't have any painting skills. They don't actually know how to paint. I think sometimes people think you just get a bucket of paint, you paint the wall. There's prep work. There's certain kinds of paint you don't want to get. You know, these are, these are you don't actually know how to do painting 
so you don't get your room painted, therefore you don't organize it, which goes back to that perfection, that yeah. perfection loop. Right. Well, these these roadblocks are really intertwined, and um, that's it's so insightful. Uh, we're going to take a break here for just a minute, Angela. And when we come back, I'd really love for you to go through your uh, majorly simply steps uh, of what our listeners can do to help create a clutter-free home, which also applies to you know schoolwork as well. So we'll be right back. Dr. Lynn will be right back after this. Can your child see, really see, more than 2020? Does your child struggle in school, have trouble with tracking when reading, or resist writing? Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's award-winning book, See It, Say It, Do It, provides parents and teachers with specific tools and strategies in visualization and processing. Improve and empower your child's learning and performance in school, sports, and play. Get See It, Say It, Do It on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Dr. Lynn Hellerstein's book, 50 Tips to Improve Your Sports Performance, has identified the top 50 ways for you to achieve excellent results in any sport activity, enhance eye-mind-body coordination skills, achieve the mental edge, prevent injuries. This book belongs in every athlete's or coach's sports bag. Get 50 tips to improve your sports performance on Amazon or visit lynnhellerstein.com. Welcome back to Vision Beyond Sight. Here's Dr. Lynn. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. And we've been talking to Angela, major mom, about organization. And um, this is not just about being disorganized, but it's really important to understand the impacts of disorganization, or disorganization on your life, as well as the roadblocks. It's not just a bad habit. And I was speaking with with Angela, major mom, and said, you know, she really should be a psychologist because this is uh, a and and she counsels a lot because it's not about just a physical organization, but getting through the roadblocks. And and so we're going to move into the majorly simply steps to creating a clutter free home. So, Angela, take it from here. Okay, thank you. I I definitely do not have a degree in <laughs> counseling, here. Um, but if you're going to pursue a career in professional organizing, for any anyone listening, thinking, "Oh my goodness, this is my calling. I I this is what I was born to do." Um, there's there's a couple of things that I want to just remind everyone that the organizer that you want to be, or the organizer that you want to hire really does need to be non-judgmental, number one, first and foremost. Um, you don't see that a lot on the TV shows, but in real life, real organizing with real people and in their, you know, every aspect of their home, um, at major organizers, we have a no-judgment guarantee, and we encourage all organizers to work on that part of their hearts <laughs> when you're working with people in their home. Boy, that is so, so important, the safety. People need to be able to feel safe and be able to express and really go deep and vulnerable to understand why they're in the state they're in. Yes, and 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 most people will spend a, take a very, very long time to hire an organizer to do any real organizing. They might have someone come to their pantry or closet, but, you know, just so they can have an organized pantry and closet. But sometimes when we get down into the papers and some of the, the life stuff, it can get it can get pretty emotional, um, especially memorabilia and things like that. But um, organizers, the organizer you choose really does need to have a servant's heart and a, and a calling. 
and it's not just a, it's not just a job. It's a, a skill to be non-judgmental is a, is a constant effort and um, a spiritual calling, if you will. So we created a methodology to organizing because 14 years in the Air Force and I'm German. So my German relatives that we go visit probably every five years, when I go there, I see, aha, some of this is genetic. My <laughs> husband's French. <laughs> And um, God bless her, my mother-in-law, who's passed on. You know, she she was a very disorganized person, and her home was um, beautiful, but it had a lot of stuffed drawers and things stuffed away in a very disorganized manner. So, I think sometimes we undervalue genetics and our our hardwiring and things like that. And and when you realize that you have a hardwiring or a creative genius that isn't creating a home that you love living in. Um, here's the major mom method. It's on our website. You can follow it and, um, and, and see if it will help you. But the most important part um, that I have to say, before you start doing picture it, plan it, proceed with stuff, you have to do one, two things first. You have to stop the incoming. Now, some, some people who are listening might be shopaholics, and this might, might not be a message they want to hear today. <laughs> um, they might be on the hyper-consumerism bandwagon, you know, shopping every day at Amazon. And um, in order to create an organized home, you do have to shut off the fire hose, I say. And, and it's, that's a relative term. You might only be buying one thing a month, but you already have 27 of the things. So um, it's really, this is the time where you get yourself centered and you maybe think about what are you bringing into home on a daily basis? Are you going to trade shows and networking meetings and coming home with bags and bags of stuff that are just filling up your office? What I'm saying is before you start the major mom method is you have to make a conscious decision to stop the incoming. Don't go to garage sales. Don't go shopping when things are on sale. If you know you haven't, um, an inability to not buy things in bulk because they're on sale. The only way to conquer the clutter in your home is to kind of turn off that fire hose and and make a decision that you're going to get rid of everything you hate that's broken, that reminds you of negative events, you know, that you don't even like. Maybe your mother-in-law got you a chicken in your kitchen and you look at it and say, I hate this chicken. Um, but you know, this is, this is kind of, you're getting yourself centered on stopping the incoming and you say and agree with your family, you're getting rid of all of these things that are just cluttered that you don't even love. Now you have, you've got that resolve. Now you can start with the major mom method and step one, or we call phase one is picture it. And, um, very wise people around the planet have said that without a vision, you know, your plan will perish, okay? So, right. Um, it, this isn't even about, lack, you know, lack lack of plan. This is, with a lack of vision, your plan's not going to come together. So this is something that Dr. Lin has, you know, been teaching for, for years and years and years. And for centuries, people have tried to teach people to sit down and think before you act. So in other words, let's just say the kitchen. Let's go with an easy one so people understand what I'm trying to explain. You can't just go into your kitchen without first that resolve that you're not going to keep buying stuff and the resolve that you're going to get rid of broken things or things that you never use. But to sit there and stare at your kitchen, look at your kitchen, sit on the floor, sit at the table, sit at the bar, and just say, say to yourself, I want my kitchen to, and then fill it in. I I want to entertain in my kitchen. I want to bake in my kitchen. I want to cook healthy meals in my kitchen. I want easy access to the things I use all the time. You you really sometimes have to sit down and figure out what is it that you want this kitchen to look like and feel like and function like. And I assure you that many people say, well, my mom always put this stuff over here, but it doesn't really work for me. Right. So where would you want it? 
And I think that's the, the brilliance of having a vision is, well, if it doesn't work there, where would it work? Like, let's get a vision of how you see yourself baking in this kitchen. Because a lot of people stop baking. A lot of people stop making healthy meals. They just stop enjoying that part of the house. Can you kind of see what I mean when I take the vision, Dr. Lynn? Oh, definitely. And I love that you're doing that. And I know some people will probably even sketch it out. You don't have to be an artist or find a picture that looks like it or get started. And and you've also brought in the declaration for the see it, say it. You know, I am healthy or my kitchen is. And you're declaring how you want your kitchen to look. And 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 that's a big piece that declaring what you want as well as creating the vision um, is so essential to start your plan. I mean, otherwise you're just running around like, oh, I'll clean this counter and, and um, you just really don't even have a plan. So I love that you spend a lot of time doing that and, uh, and having people work in that area. And, you know, the other thing is, is sometimes, the perfectionist or, um, you know, the other roadblocks are getting in the way of the vision, as you know. And so uh, I'll, I'll say, I understand that you don't like these dark cabinets, you know, and, and I understand you want a $40,000 remodel to have your perfect kitchen um, or you want these cabinets painted. But, you know, there is a way to have an organized kitchen without your perfect vision in place. And that's where we also teach there's phase one organizing, phase two organizing, and phase three taking it all the way home to perfection. But sometimes we have to teach our clients phase one is a really good place to start, you know, and then you want to go to phase two, and then you actually might be so inspired, you just have the cabinets painted and and release that $40,000 remodel need. Yeah, that's a really important point, uh, Angela, because, uh, you know, taking on the whole house is often too much to start. It's like losing weight or trying to get in shape. And the recommendations for it to be successful at all is to take one little step. And so that's something you can manage, something you could see success at. And that's what you're calling a phase. And, and that often gets you excited to take the next step. Um, and it's just not so overwhelming because I'm sure you see the overwhelm of doing it all, whether it's time, money, energy, uh, can, that's one of the barriers. Yeah. And, and then we go to the plan. So it's like, okay, great. So you, you do want to bake. Okay. So you miss baking or, you know, I'm, I'm just using baking as an example because it's easy to, I'm help with the visualization process, but um, but all the baking stuff was, you know, in the garage, um, in there because it didn't fit in the kitchen and, and other items were in the kitchen that they never used. And so that's part of the, this is what I want. Okay, great. Let's come up with a plan. So phase two of organizing of, or phase two of the major mom method is plan it. Now we're going to do a space plan and an action plan. And the space plan is, where is the baking stuff going to live in the kitchen? Um, how are we going to displace? What are we going to do with these other displaced items? Now we're coming up with a space plan, and the shift is going to start happening. And the shift starts happening beautifully when the vision is clear on how we want to use the kitchen now or how the client wants to use the kitchen. And then the action plan even comes together better because the action plan is, Who's going to do what? Okay, husband, you clear out that. Wife, you clear out that. Organizer is going to do this. We're going to um, spend about an hour doing this. And, you know, we're coming up with a plan. Like, here's how we're going to execute this vision in a space and in, in, a, in a detailed plan. And, yes, we have clients that have mind mapping. They need to think more of mind mapping. So we can sketch out, okay, hey, you're over here doing this, this, and, and help their brain um, not feel like they're locked into a left brain linear uh, thought process. We respect that very much. That some clients are um, they they need it to be nonlinear, uh, and we we understand those brain processing um, differences. So now we have an action plan and a phase plan, and we're ready to proceed with steps. Well, you know, it's like 
we've read the same literature or, or come upon the inspirations so similar that you've applied, um, you know, what I've called the see it, say it, do it process uh, to show how usable it is and how functional it is to, to get a project done. And you've made it very, very easy to uh, to move through that. Um, I'm sure the length of time varies with each client, but can you put a little time frame, you know, how long would it take for somebody to, you know, do this kind of project? Yes, I think, you know, even the smallest kitchen, I say sometimes the smaller kitchens take longer than the, you know, the gargantuan, beautiful kitchens because those gargantuan kitchens, I call them, they have so much space. So it's easy to swap places around. So a kitchen organized usually takes anywhere from seven hours um, to in the same seven liberator hours. So maybe that's two of us working for three and a half hours, you know, for just a tiny little reset. A, a roadblock has been removed, if you will, you know, empty nesting, and they want to uh, re, kind of reconfigure the kitchen for different styles of cooking now that the kids are gone. And, and a kitchen, some kitchens have taken us um, 20, you know, 20 to 30 hours. And those wow. are kitchens that are very, very packed full of um, food and supplies and um, entertaining things and, and just really completely packed, not hoarding because we, we don't work with hoarding clients because we're not trained and we're not called to that. But um, we do work with clients that have three or four generations of stuff because they inherited their grandma's kitchen. They inherited mom's kitchen. You know, the story we talked about earlier. Right. So it could be anywhere from seven to 20 hours, depending on honestly, the volume of stuff that we're dealing with and the speed at which the client can make decisions, keep or donate. Yeah, that's uh, so interesting. And then do you, does talk about your liberators. Do they actually, help supervise once the plan's created or or do the work or how does that work with the liberators? Yeah, a lot of times we're doing we're doing the grunt work. We're pulling everything out and we're we're proceeding with steps. So the first thing we do, um and of course we never explain how we're going to do it because it would scare most people away. But um, <laughs> we're organizing the pantry pretty much in general. Um, everything's getting sorted into categories out of the pantry. So um, the only way to clean and wipe down and, and really clear the slate is to take everything out. Um, every once in a while, we don't have to take every single item out. But when we're doing a big reset, it just all has to come out. So the steps part is we sort into categories. That's a really interesting step because people are like, oh, I never thought of putting all the baking items together or all of the um, you know, the snacks together and, and for people for, for people like me, um, I have to always remember that that is not second nature to everyone to group into categories. So we take everything out, sort it into categories, then look for expired stuff. And um, we, we say treasure what counts. That's the, that's the T of steps. So we sort it into categories. We treasure what counts. So basically we say, you know, here you have five crock pots, you have, you know, let's just say um, two griddles, five waffle irons, um, you know, you've, they've just accumulated over them. And this is where we say treasure what counts. Instead of saying toss it, get rid of it, we say which one do you treasure? Which one is the most important to you? Sometimes it's easier to laser focus on the treasure Versus when an organizer says, which ones do you want to get rid of? And it's like, uh, oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but if you say, which one is your favorite crock pot that you use every year, you know, or every month? Like, this is the go-to crock pot. Very easy for them to say that one. <laughs> or that one's my Super Bowl one. That's my Thanksgiving one. You know, things like that. Um so we, that's why the T in our steps is treasure what counts. And then what, um, what you don't treasure, that's when we can donate it, recycle it, repurpose it. Or, you know, sometimes it really does have to go in the trash. It really is no, it can't be. 
and and to keep stuff is the stuff you treasure. It's the gadgets and gadgets that you know you use, and the other ones you are just inherited. And so our liberators help sort those things. Our, our liberators stay right there with you while you're treasuring, because trust me, when the decision is made where they say, donate it, we need somebody right there removing that from their visual field. <laughs> and so once, once the volume of stuff starts going down, we have, you know, we're filling up boxes and boxes of donates, the client starts almost looking like they're floating, just kind of giddy, like you can see the joy coming over them. You can see the stress melting away. And that's why we don't work with hoarding um, because we're not called that. But most people in general um, that we work with are so relieved to be letting go of things that were really truly clutter, meaning they never used it. They just felt guilty and were keeping it because they should. You know, that's so interesting. And I can attest to how important it is to have somebody like a liberator a person with you and making the choices. Um, several years ago, after I uh, got divorced, I decided I was going to clean out my house. And um, I called the junk truck, thinking I was going to throw it all out. But when they got there, it wasn't just throw it all out. And to have two guys, and I didn't even know them, and they weren't trained as organizers. But we made the three piles of save, donate, throw out. And there were just things that I, you know, I knew I needed to throw out. I didn't want them. But there's that emotional attachment and just having somebody almost hold your hand through it. Like, just, is this really important to you? Is this a treasure? Uh, made that decision. And then they really hauled the stuff away immediately. And um, I had another situation where I had somebody organize my closet, my dress. This is like 20, 30 years ago. And she took everything out of the closet. And we looked at everything, and I ended up with almost no clothes left. And I felt naked, literally. Oh, uh, no. Like I was exposed, and there was nothing in my closet. And then we re- rebuilt it. But it, it's an emotional thing to go through. And um, having professionals like you guys are is so, it's got to be so helpful in just. The accountability, but uh, going through the steps, not just randomly trying to, you know, make it better without a plan. Uh, I, I just have always admired your business model and what you do. Well, I, I, Dr. Lynn, you said something very important. I want the listeners to really um, understand my philosophy on organizing. When we have a client, and I'm not saying that you did this when you organized your closet, but there are organizers that will push you to over purge. Um, they will judge what, what's fashionable and what's stylable. And, and when I say no judgment, I mean we say to the client, keep or donate. And if they get stuck, we have a whole list of questions ready to go that are left brain, linear, non-emotional questioning so that the client makes the decision. So when a client says, should I keep this? We know better. We do not say yes, you should keep that, that's beautiful, or no, you should get rid of that, it's ugly. We never talk like that. What we say is we're trained, our liberators, we train ourselves to say, do you like it? Do you like it? Do you love it? Well, yes, I love this. Well, then it sounds like you want to keep it. But um, people, we do get clients after divorce, deaths, um, relocations that that um, sometimes I think are trying to impress us. And they're going to overperch. Men do this more than women, and I don't know why. But it's like, oh, just get rid of all that. And, you know, I think they're embarrassed that they, they kept it. We're not sure. But we will usually say, whoa, wait a minute. We're not putting those 10 boxes in the trash, you know, in the, the, the trash pile without us opening them and looking in them. This is a dangerous tactic because every once in a while there are really important things in those boxes, maybe only one. But they would have been devastated years later when they went to go look for it and realized they threw it away. And so over-purging is, is professional organizers should never guide over-purging. We, we guide in our company a, a staging area to say, wait a minute here, let's, let's, let's put these over here for now. Let, let's come back to these. Let's go back to other things. Does that make sense why over-purging could be such a danger 
Oh, for lots of reasons. Um, yeah, and I'm really glad you, you pointed that out. Because um, I think I probably did overpurge. In fact, the giveaway pile stayed in my other bedroom on the bed for about a month <laughs> before I was ready to let it go. And so, uh, no, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I, I see that as a, a, an issue and a danger on that. Um, Angela, we're, we're almost out of time and I want to make sure you tell our listeners how to reach you. And you're also giving a generous offer if you want to explain that as well. Oh, yes. Um, I forgot the generous offer, Dr. Lynn. Can you oh, I'm happy. It's an $88 <laughs> power hour virtual organizing session with Major Mom. Thank you. I'm very organized, but lately my brain has these gaps in, of memory. Um, <laughs> and so it's like I forget what I said last night to somebody. So, yes, um, aging is fun, isn't it? The, the $88 um, power hour is for anyone that really just needs a professional to talk things through and some guidance. It's virtual. I'll be able to see you. And the great thing is, is that you can tap into my brain for an hour and, and get some ideas and be to guide you a little bit. Um, and then if you decide you want to work with, with us virtually, we can, we can do that. But just as important, I can help you find an organizer in your area that that could help you um, because I've been in this industry for a long time. I know a lot of a, a lot of good organizers, and so you can reach me at majororganizers.com. Well, Angela, thank you, thank you so much. This has been very insightful. I love your steps, and I resonate so well, and I just know the importance of being organized. So thanks to everybody, thanks to you, and thanks to our listeners for today, and hope to see you again soon. Thank you for joining us today on Vision Beyond Sight. Join Dr. Lynn Hellerstein each week to help you find clarity in your functional vision and expand the power of your seeing brain to gain courage, confidence, and success in your life. Remember, your vision does not define you. You define your vision. For more information and find additional podcasts, visit lynnhellerstein.com. See you next time on Vision Beyond Sight.